It's time for JT the Brick. So we are open for business again, everybody. I had a dream that someday we'd have a flagship station with the cooperation of the team and the fans that stream globally. JT the Brick. Are we all on board with that? Because if you're not on board with this, you're going to have to enter a mental asylum. If you're not on board with this, it's going to drive you nuts. Jackpot, baby! And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, hour number two of the show. Steve Weiss will join us from NFL Network. Also, Mike Sando from The Athletic. Really good NFL insider. And Eric Pincus, Laker insider. So I got a really cool final hour before we head into the weekend here. Thanks to all of our partners. Thanks to everyone for listening. We greatly appreciate that. We're brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. SamandAshInjuryLaw.com because you deserve what's right. If you get into an accident, Sam and Ash is your choice. My personal injury attorneys are good friends. They are all over town. You see their billboards everywhere and a proud partner of our show. So we got a game on Saturday. And then the following Friday with the Patriots, and we had a game this past Sunday. So we're getting all these preseason games in after Canton, Ohio, to try to have you all locked in before the regular season game at the Chargers. Uh, This Raider game, no idea who's going to play. The sharpest of the insiders who were there every day, no idea who's going to play. Josh McDaniels will tell you after the game who played and why they played. I'm assuming no Derek Carr. I'm assuming no Mad Max Crosby. I'm assuming no Devontae. Why? The Patriots are coming to town next week for these two dual practices, and those guys are going to be playing, and it's going to be physical. It's going to be damn physical because Belichick's coming in. And if you noticed, Belichick in Carolina, Matt Rule versus Belichick was pretty intense last week. A couple of fights broke out. I'm not expecting fights. I don't want to see any injuries. And then those teams will lead up to the final preseason game. It's a lot of work for the Patriots to come out west to play in Vegas in the heat and the humidity, then play a game, they're going to be here all week. Just look at the calendar here. they got to get out here. they got to travel here. they got to practice, and they have to play a game. And the experts are not very high on the Patriots this preseason. They have not played well, and they got to get Mac Jones going. And for the Raiders, I just think the Raiders are trying to taper down to get ready for the Chargers, but there's a lot of guys who have to play a lot of minutes if you're going to rest the starters. If you're going to rest these starters and not let them play, that means some of the backups have got to play more than expected. Because the backups aren't going to play if you let the play, a starters play a quarter or a half. That doesn't seem to be happening around here. Always thrilled to talk to my friend Steve Weiss from NFL Network. What a great job he does, and it's always great to see him at the Hall of Fame. And Steve, I don't know if it was a drop-the-mic moment for me, but when I walked Diana Ross off the stage and said, Hey, Raider Nation, Cliff Branch, how about Diana Ross? It showed again that the Raiders and Mark Davis care for their alumni in the Hall of Famers. How are you? I'm doing well, JT. Look, I think that's a drop-the-mic moment. I think that, that qualifies, <laughs> JT. And, you know, and, and talking about what Mark Davis does for the alumni and his former players and just anybody who's affiliated with the silver and black. You know, Mark picked up the baton from his father, um, and he's just done such an exceptional job because we know uh, when it comes to alumni, once guys are finished playing or working for an organization, a lot of times they feel detached, right? They feel like they don't belong. And the fact that the Raiders are so inclusive in, in that regard you know, hats off to them because not every team makes their alumni feel that 
you know, hey, you, you did some things to, to bring our brand to prominence, and, and we want to make you feel part of that for as long as we can. As you were there and you played such a prominent role, I've been dying to talk to you about this. Cliff's getting ready, and you're interviewing Fred Bolitnikoff, and that was really yeah. important to me, you know, how tight I am with Freddie. And, you know, Freddie was there for Cliff because Cliff isn't with us anymore, and I thought that was a huge week. Fred was there for a week representing Cliff Branch at Gold Jacket, you know, at the Nitschke Luncheon, on the stage where you interviewed him. And I thought that was a real emotional high for the Bolitnikoffs. Well, I mean, I think it was with Bolitnikoffs, but again, people affiliated with the Raiders because, you know, Fred will tell you, he might not have had the career he had if it weren't for Cliff Branch, you know, taking defenders downfield, opening up that middle of the field for him, and vice versa. I'm sure, you know, they, they worked in tandem that way, but just also the human being that Cliff Branch was and how much, you know, with all the divergent personalities, you know, those Raiders teams had to have a pro like Cliff, you know, in that meeting room with him and on that offense with him you know, how much that really meant. So, again, you know, hats off to Fred, one of the greatest to ever do it, to stand up there with the family and, and represent Cliff Branch since he is no longer with us. And, you know, the Hall, keep in mind, it's the first time the Hall has allowed families of the deceased now mm-hmm. to go up there and give speeches. So, you know, again, hats off to everyone who stepped up and, and really did a great job that weekend. Steve Weiss is our guest. So, again, I'm sharing some of my memories because you have such a big role at the Hall of Fame. Really proud of the arc of your career when you're there. I went to the Gold Jacket party, which was the first one they ever had. So, usually, you know, after the Gold Jacket, guys go to dinner at Bender's or they go to this part of town. They go back to the room. They brought all those guys into one room, and Jim Brown came in. And I said this, and I think you're going to get it. Jim Brown comes in with a walker and his wife, Monique, and he sits down, and I had a really cool moment with him. Uh, going back with him a long time on radio. And I thought to myself, man, imagine being a Hall of Famer and not in Canton. Imagine for whatever reason you decided not to come back and you have a gold jacket and there is Jim Brown at this stage of his life. Is that worthy of bringing up that topic, Steve, that some guys just should be back every year or every other year and they don't come back? Yeah, if they're able. You know, of course, you know, some folks just for family reasons or health reasons mm-hmm. or monetary reasons may not be able to get, get there. But, yeah, I mean, it's just there's a lot of guys who, who, who just don't come back. I mean, I've been doing this with the Hall now for nine years, and there's some people mm-hmm. I just I haven't seen except for when they got enshrined. Right. And um, it is a gathering of 362 immortal brethren. Right, that's it. Think about that, JT. There's been more than thirty thousand people who've coached, played, or contributed to the to pro football. There's three hundred and sixty two of them in that hall. And I think there's just under two hundred living members. And, you know, to be able to share three days is something very special because one thing Jim Porter, the new president, has made sure to do mm-hmm. is to really shift the focus back to the Hall of Famers. Hence that gold jacket party let's get everybody in a room let's not make, make them catch rides all over town or whatever and have them be amongst their brethren and sisters and their families and and so you know i hate that some guys aren't there you know voluntarily to choose not to show mm-hmm. or maybe if the class isn't star-studded well it's not a great enough class for me to, to be there um it's different man because you're you're again you're with your immortal brethren who you share that bus room with forever Steve Weiss is our guest, NFL Network, and Bryant Young's speech was mind-blowing, his son Kobe, and how he tied that in there. And, you know, that's another thing for people, 
the new time slot for that, you know, heat of the day compared to night. You got the Journey concert that night, parties for everyone. You know, there's logistics there, but that was really important to me to see that speech live and to see the emotion as I look to the left or right and how that resonated, Steve, with the crowd that was live. Of course, it worked great on television, but to be in that in, in, in that stadium as he was giving that, it was almost like, hey, I'm a Hall of Famer. I waited. Eddie DeBartolo's here, Steve Young, Ronnie Lott. This is not about me. It's about my son who passed away. I'm going to make it about him. I love that. Well, first off, speaking of guys who didn't come, who were there because of how special Brian Young was, was Terrell Owens. T.O. showed up for, B, for BY, mm-hmm. and it was his first time coming to this event. But to get back to your point, I knew the story of Colby dying of brain cancer at age 15. Brian told it to me when I was with Charles Haley when we notified him that he was going into the Hall of Fame. Um, but to hear him tell it on that stage, when he said the words, my son wasn't scared of dying, but he was, a scared, he was scared of the process of dying. The reality that wove through all the Hall of Famers on the stage, anyone on the stage, me, everyone in the audience, that's a terrifying thought, I think, to all of us. It and was. The way he, and the way it registered, and the tears, and like the sobering element of that, and then the way he brought it all together just to have us all, you know, an emotional an emotional handbasket was amazing. And, and these are the things, this is why hall of famers are special. Sure. A lot of people could, could give great speeches, but you know, to be able to have that platform, that moment in the stadium on TV, wherever it's going to live forever um, to bring life's reality, you know, to our doorstep is, is just I mean, I, it's indescribable because, look, after Bryant gave that speech, you know, I'm, I'm up there. All these Hall of Famers are up there just bawling. Like, everybody yeah. is bawling up on stage. And so backstage, and Bryant was back there, they all lined up. They didn't know what to say. They were just coming up to him and just patting him on the shoulder, shaking his hand like, good grief. You know, we've all had our tough times, but, man, that, that registered. Steve Weiss, as we wrap it up, uh, just getting a preview on the Raiders here. And you go back with all the former coaches and obviously the GMs. It's really unique and different. And Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, the relationship that they have, they're like brothers from their days in college and all of that. What they're doing here is unique because you're not getting a lot. It comes from the Belichick tree in regards to a press conference. Josh McDaniels, he wants everyone to be included. It's not about the stars here. He's got to figure out this offensive line. I mean, there's some offensive linemen, Steve, as you know, they're playing three different positions, fighting for a battle here as they try to figure out Leatherwood, what's going to happen there, and, and get someone up to speed by Colt Miller. When you look at the Raiders coming off 10 wins and Denver and the Chargers not making the playoffs last year, what do you like about the Raiders, and what are some of the concerns? Well, you love the skill positions, right? You love the D-line, and it's good that Hankins is now off PUP, right? He's coming back. They can get him back. Um, the linebackers, you know, Perry Manny wants a new deal, but, you know, him and Waller want new deals. It's been amazing how quiet that those conversations have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but the O-line and the secondary, I mean, I think they're okay at safety. You know, I like Marrying and, 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 and Abram. Mm-hmm. But the corners, you know, Mullen, he's, he's coming back, but he's going to stay healthy. You know, look, man, when, you know, I was just at Chargers practice the other day, and I'm looking at their skilled players like, good Lord. And, you know, what they're going to be able to do with that quarterback. 
and you look at the Broncos' skilled players, and we can say whatever we want about the Chiefs not having Tyreek Hill. Andy Reid has always found a way. He's lost great players before and found ways to, to hang 35 points on the board. And so, you know, what's going to happen if Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, those guys, don't get to the quarterback? Okay, that's, you know, those are my concerns with the Raiders. You know, offensively, Josh is going to want to run the ball. You know, them having an interchange lineman, that's nothing new. The Patriots mm-hmm. did that all the time. But can those guys be as effective? You know, that's, that's an issue. So, again, this is why, this is why you know, as Herm Edwards said, you know, this is why we play the game. Mm-hmm. You know, to see how those guys rise up in the moment, how they rise up in the competition, and how Josh, who was brought here to scheme guys up, how he can, he can scheme to strengths and how he can, you know, hide weaknesses. We saw even, even in the Hall of Fame game, they were screening the Jaguars to death. That might be what they have to do to fatigue the defensive front so later in the game they can pound them with a questionable offensive line. There's all kinds of ways you can try to do it, but it comes down to players when it matters most. And when it comes to skill players, the Raiders are right there at the top. Now let's stay on that for one more. That's really important what you said about the screen game and how important it is to Josh McDaniels. But when you look back at all the Patriot years with Josh McDaniels and Brady came to the line of scrimmage, as soon as he read the defense, he knew exactly where he was going. And it was the slot receiver. It could be Welker, Amendola. They just had an advantage with the slot. The Raiders have Renthro. Can you imagine if the Raiders go wide with Waller, wide and Devontae wide, guy like Mac Hollins and Hunter Renfro, what they're going to do there, but they still got to give Derek time. I'm not talking about a five, seven step drop. Steve, if that ball can come out quickly, that's what happened with Brady who is the GOAT and the greatest of all time. But as you know, Carr's really good at the line of scrimmage. So how much of this is on Carr's back now? He doesn't have an elite offensive line, and he's going to have to get the ball out, and he's going to have to be really consistent. What are your expectations for him? Well, a ton on his back. Look at the toys he has. Do you think think most quarterbacks, do you think Aaron Rodgers would love to have Darren Waller and Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro? You know, I mean... Yeah. I mean, yeah. if it doesn't work, Derek's going to, you know, he got the extension. Derek's going to catch a lot of heat. You know, we talked about Crosby and, and Chandler Jones. Look at the pass rushers throughout the division. So a lot is on him. And to your first point about this, though, and the question, you know, Renfro's the slot guy. Devontae Adams can play in the slot. Mm-hmm. Darren Waller can play in the slot. This is where Josh, we're going to see how good of a matchup maven he is. You know, it's going to be the Queen's Gambit. You know, him up there designing chess pieces with all these guys who can play wide and in the slot. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But like you said, Derek's got to make the proper decision, and the offensive line has got to give him a beat to get the ball out. Thank you, my friend. Good seeing you in Canton. Always a pleasure to have you on. Look forward to talking to you throughout the year. Same here, my brother. Thanks for having me. Steve Weiss is really good, man. That guy knows the Raiders. You know, he just said he was at Charger practice, and he said, oh, my Lord, what he saw there. Steve knows the Raiders. He's one of the guys that when you see on the national media and they go to the Raiders, he can answer the questions. He knows the rosters. There are many frauds in the industry that don't know the roster. They can't pronounce Rocky Asin. They can't. They don't know who Trayvon Merrick is. They've never heard of Lester Cotton. He knows them. That's part of his job. He's well prepared and he's got a great history with the Hall of Fame. I mean, I was there, man, when he was interviewing Fred Bolitnikoff. You talk about a dream job for me in life, a dream, not going to get it, but a dream, that would be the gig because of my passion for the Hall of Fame. I'd love to be working at the Hall of Fame on that day, interviewing people and just talking and telling stories 
And Steve gets to do that with Rich Eisen and just a few guys, man. That's a job that you really want to have, and he's fantastic at it. I think he'll have that job as long as he wants. Appreciate Steve Weiss for joining us. Mike Sando, who's a really good NFL insider, man. Bobby's Rolodex is red hot today, which I love. So Steve is, I don't know. I don't know what you got out of that interview, but he's not like I love the Raiders. He likes the skill position players. Seems like he's a little concerned with if the pass rush doesn't get there, what's going to happen on the back end. That was my big takeaway. Max and Chandler Jones got to get to the quarterback. They're going to be double teamed. They're going to be chipped. And tight ends are going to be held in to chip those guys and block them. If Max and Chandler Jones can't break the double team or one of them getting, one of them getting single coverage, it's just going to give Herbert and all these other great quarterbacks time to get the ball deep downfield, which most of the national media, right or wrong, are not sold on the Raiders being able to defend the deep ball. The Raiders were dead last in red zone defense. Under Gus Bradley, they made some big plays all year long. They did. They made big plays with all those walk-off wins over time. They made plays when they had to. But now statistically under Patrick Graham, they got to get better. I mean, they really got to get better in regards to flipping the field and not going on these long drives with this philosophy of bend, don't break. No, they have to dominate and dictate. They have to say, no, we're getting off the field and giving the ball back to Derek. We're not going to let Justin Herbert go on a six-minute drive, wear us out, wear us out for the fourth quarter. And that's what the Raiders need to do on offense with that running game. There's a guy we just had in Steve Weiss who really thinks Josh McDaniels wants to run the football. And I agree because, unfortunately, on a lot of these Sundays over the last 20 years, I was forced to watch a Patriot game because the Patriots were on in the big window They had Tom Brady, and they were on their way to winning the Super Bowl. So if you don't understand what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick do by now, I don't know what you've been doing the last 20 years. They're on TV every week. They're in the playoffs. They're playing on Super Bowl Sunday. They wear you down. They're smarter than you. They run it at you. They have Gronk, a tight end, catching it. They have Wes Welker, Amendola. They have the little guys catching the ball over the middle to keep the chains going. And then a quarterback who can make every throw. Mike Sando on deck, and Eric Pincus on the Lakers later on in the show. JT, Raider Nation Radio, as we continue. Thanks to our partners for everything they do for us on the air, especially PTs. They need the Vikings 31 for a first down. Mullins drops back to pass, looking downfield, lows and throws. Robinson goes up and makes the grab right at the sticks in front of a defender. He used his body to shield off Josh Metellus. Maybe a half yard shy of the sticks. They mark him down at the 32, but he picked up 23 and a half on that stick. Well, it's Friday. Quick reminder again, 4 to 6 p.m. at Virgin Hotels in the lobby there for my second edition of my podcast for Virgin. This is for the property and really excited that the owner, Richard Bosworth, will be with me. John Sassenti, the Las Vegas Bowl president. Oh, my good friend. Oh, crack. Bill Krakenberger, America's Sports Gamblers. Uh, And we're looking for a couple more people to jump on board. So if you're looking for happy hour today or something to do, meet me at Virgin Hotels from 4 
to 6 p.m. Last night, and Mike Sando is going to join us in a second. Great NFL insider. Man, Bobby's been knocking it out of the park, getting some good guests this week as we go around the league. Last night, I'm watching the football game between Chicago and Seattle, and it brought back a lot of memories for me. It seems like, and we can go back and look at a schedule, but for about eight, ten years, I was the TV sideline reporter in the preseason for the Raiders, and we always played in Seattle. And we always played in Seattle on a gorgeous night. You know, it didn't rain. The weather was fantastic. Mount Rainier. It just looked good. And as I'm watching it last night, hosting my Mad Dog show, I look up and they show John Clayton's spot where John Clayton used to sit, the professor, our good friend from ESPN who passed away recently. And uh, that hit me pretty hard because of all the great memories that we have. Let's bring in Mike Sando, who joins us. And Mike... Let's begin. John Clayton, man, that pulled at my heart and my heart strings, and I know he meant a lot to you. Oh, yeah. John was one of a kind. You know, I replaced him on the Seahawks beat 25 years ago. Hard to believe it's been that long, but he was just a great mentor to me, and we became good friends and spent so much time together here in the Seattle area where we both live and and uh, on the road uh, so many times. So it, it's rough. It's rough that John's not with us, but we remember him, and we had a great celebration of life last month out at the CX facility and told some funny stories and it was great to see ESPN honor him on the broadcast showing a couple of little mementos there at his spot in the press box you know Mike uh, one of the things about John it seemed like the Raiders always played their final preseason game up there in Seattle and on the sideline voice on preseason TV and radio and he comes over to me before every yeah. game and I'm talking about six or seven years and he'd come up to me with the hat yeah. on and it could have been it was usually a beautiful night but he had the hoodie in case it rained and he'd go JT who's playing tonight who's looking good I hear he looked good a couple of weeks ago he uh, would grill me grill me for 10 minutes and then I really had nothing to say to him because we weren't talking yeah. about the Seahawks on the broadcast we were talking about the Raiders and who's going to make the team but he was so meticulous with his knowledge and wanting to get everything right and he had a way of drawing information out from everybody yes. he knew like like you know back in the day he one of the things people said about him like he could keep someone on the phone like a source on the phone forever and the person would be telling him everything it was like he just had an amazing he's just a great reporter uh, that way. And then, of course, he could be trusted. You know, he knew what to use when and how to use it and all of that. Uh, before we get to Deshaun Watson and a couple of other topics, the senior committee with Joe Klecko, and you're a Hall of Fame selector, but when it comes to this, I just emceed the Cliff Branch party in Vegas. I'm sure you heard Diana Ross came out and surprised everyone. There was so many gold jackets, and the owner of the Raiders went all in for his best friend, and it took him decades to get into the Hall of Fame. How tough is that for you as a selector when you know that there are guys getting up there in age Yep. And you got to make a big decision, and it could be a tough one because here in Vegas we had to deal with that with Tom Flores, Stabler, who passed away before his induction, and Cliff Branch. It is very hard, especially when you get down to these senior committee ones and guys have been waiting. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I've been trying to do increasingly this offseason is just to help settle on the criteria, you know, to really mm -hmm. drill down on, okay, can we have some uh, a criteria that makes us a little bit more predictable or – were easier to do. I feel like sometimes now, um, you know, we, you, you just, people try to create a good narrative around a guy and hope that it sort of carries the day. And look, they don't put anyone in really who shouldn't go in, but sometimes it's hard from the outside to look at it, even on the inside, to find a rhyme or reason of why this person now and not before. And one of the problems is there's, there's, there are a lot of good choices. And mm -hmm. so in any, any one year, you're going to leave somebody out who probably, 
could easily be included. Yeah, I think as we're talking to Mike Sando from The Athletic, I think the NFL, the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame has done a good job with these makeup classes and trying to get extra guys in. They're really concentrating on that, that that's a good thing. Uh, let me ask you, Mike, what you thought about the Deshaun Watson decision. Was it in your wheelhouse? Is this what you thought yeah. initially it should have been a year or this amount of games? Or how do you think it came together with Roger Goodell coming down? Yeah, I think everybody had no idea what was going to happen. In the league, people seemed to think before, you know, before anything had happened that he might miss the whole year and it could go longer than that. So that was my expectation just because that's what people in the league thought. But I think people in the league were kind of hoping for that because uh, they didn't like the, the contract that he got and, and all of that. So um, at this point, once it came down to six, that was a little bit on the lower side of what I expected. And then... This is this is what I thought they would probably do. Double, I didn't know about 11. I thought maybe 12 games he'd be able mm-hmm. to play some. And you can debate, you know, whether it's enough, whether it's not enough, whether it should be more, whether it should be more contrite. But, you know, I don't know how you determine what is the right amount because it, it's a fairly complex case. There's mm-hmm. a lot of civil complaints. There's a lot of stuff that looks bad. There's not a criminal case. He's not a convicted of something. So there is some room in there for interpretation in terms of how guilty he is of what and how long he should pay for that. Mike Sando joins us from the athletics. So after Jimmy Garoppolo, the Niners release him, no one wanted to trade for that contract. What do you think Jimmy wants to do? Would that be a good place for him? Cause he knows he'll be replaced by Watson. And if he plays well, then that's a conundrum there too. So do you think he just passes on that and waits for a better opportunity? Um, yes, I, I think that, he will definitely want to, uh, you know, have his choice of places. And I think that's one of the reasons why a trade was has been hard to get, right? Because it takes him to cooperate with it. So, um, you know, the best option is probably waiting to see where the best opportunity is. It may not be uh, right away. I didn't – 11 games to me, is that enough to go no. – you know, is that enough to go get Jimmy? I, I don't feel like it is. I feel like you try – because really the first – five games or so, Brissett's probably at least as good just because he's in the offense, right? He knows what he knows what he's doing there and, and knows has a feel for everything. I just don't know that I would do that when you know you're getting Watson for the final part of the year. I don't know if I'm Jimmy. Is that the job I want to have? I don't know. He, 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 he's a known commodity who should be able to mm-hmm. find a better opportunity than an 11-game rental. Mike Sando's our guest at Sando NFL. Mike, I've been asking all my guests, all the insiders, to handicap the AFC West for me because it seems like the Chargers are coming in hot with all their defensive additions and Herbert, Kansas City possibly back to the pack. People forget the Raiders made the playoffs with 10 wins. Denver and the Chargers didn't, and they brought in Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. Walk me through the AFC West from top to bottom. Yeah, somebody's finishing fourth who who thinks they're finishing first or second. So right. here, here's what I think. Like, I'm a little bit leery of Denver. I feel like Denver's really had the big hype with Russell Wilson and all that coming in, but they got a first-time head coach. Russell Wilson hasn't been great the last year and a half. He, he might be again, but I think you could definitely make a case that even look at the Raiders. Josh McDaniels with Derek Carr and those weapons they have, shoot, that may be a better, that may be a better at least for the next year than what Denver has. So Denver's kind of the team to me that, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to be one or two in that division. I do think Kansas City probably wins it. And mm-hmm. then I think it's going to be the Chargers or the Raiders uh, in the second spot. Someone's going to fall out. And I think Denver's going to be three or four. I feel I feel 
just kind of feel that going into the year. And we'll see. They lost Vic Fangio, too, which I think is a big loss for them. Uh, do you have a sleeper team in the NFC? A lot of people like uh, uh, the Vikings possibly this year if Green Bay takes a little bit of a step back. And, you know, I don't think Detroit's going to be a playoff team, but I'm wondering if you think the Tampa Bay is going to be the power there, or is there another team in the NFC South that could put at least a little pressure on them? Well, we got to, I mean, is what's up with Tom Brady, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I assume Tom Brady's going to be there, but. You know, if I look in the NFC, I, I actually do really love Green Bay. I think that mm-hmm. that's not a sleeper team, but I think their defense is going to get after a little bit this year, and they're going to be better. Uh, as I would go down the list, I think you could see Minnesota is one. I think of the really bad teams, I think Carolina could be better than what we were maybe thinking even a month or two ago because decent defense, Baker Mayfield's at least average. Like, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they have a chance to not be a disaster. Excellent. Mike, as we wrap it up, uh, I look at this league here. The power teams in New York are not powerful anymore. Zach Wilson, that's good news that he'll be able to play. And Daniel Jones, it doesn't look like doesn't look like the Giants have a tremendous amount of confidence in him. Who do you like between the Giants and the Jets to be a bigger surprise this year in New York? Uh, probably, the, probably the Giants. I mean, we don't know what, number one, when Zach Wilson's going to be 100%. We don't know how good he's going to play. Uh, now I do obviously not have a great deal of confidence in Daniel Jones, but I think, you know, he's been at least lower average, uh, at at a certain point you pair him with Dayball there. He's got a decent offensive line. I mean, I may just bet on a little bit of Dayball and, and that, Mm -hmm. and maybe their floor being a little bit higher. I don't know how high the floor is of the Jets. Do you have your Super Bowl pick, or are you teasing that for the athletic, or do you have it now? No, I, I mean, I think I will go with Green Bay uh, in mm. the NFC, and we'll see. You know, I think Rodgers' contract is going to come back to bite them in the next couple years with with just taking such a big number. But I feel like they may be, you know, you know that he will should be able to prop up the offense a little bit, and then the defense could be more of a strength. You hope the special teams with Rich Passaccia gets, you know, at least, somewhat decent so i'll go with them uh on the nfc side and the nfc side i I went with i went with buffalo last year i went with buffalo last year mike i'm i'm leaning towards buffalo again i don't want to be one and done i thought they would the 13 seconds in kansas city was wild but i'm probably going to go back with buffalo are you leaning towards them i i i think they're a smart team to pick but i something just tells me kansas city i just feel like kansas city um, not that they have more to prove, but I think there's a little chip on their shoulder. And uh, we'll see. We'll just see. I, I think that they're going to be really good. And Buffalo, shoot, they were, a, they were a game ahead of Buffalo last year. I mean, it they feels were. like Buffalo. You know what I mean? Uh, so we'll see. You know, Buffalo loses Brian Dayball. Uh, I think Josh Allen's great, but has had more ups and downs. I think if you look at them offensively last year, they were not really great the whole year. Uh, they they were amazing during the playoffs, two games, I mean, a couple games there. So I think that Kansas City is a safer bet, uh, even though I think people ended last season feeling like Buffalo was better, even in defeat to Kansas City. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure talking to you. I wish you all the best this year. Enjoy the rest of the summer. You too. Thank you. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for coming in here. And Mike Sando is a guy that we'll have in our once-a-month rotation and very strong with his NFL insight here as we continue on. Look, it's tough. It's tough to pick a Super Bowl winner in August, right? It's tough to say it. I know Raider fans, 
You're not going to pick the Raiders most likely to win the Super Bowl, but they could. They have to make the playoffs. It'd be nice if they got a home game. And then the train kept rolling here, but there's still a couple of teams with a roster that are, is really strong. And for Green Bay in the NFC, is there another sleeper team? I don't think the Niners can win with Trey Lance. I don't think the Niners can win the Super Bowl with Trey Lance with zero experience. But you go around the league still. I'm not a buyer on Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's good. I don't trust their ownership to improve on last year. I think Baltimore is going to bounce back. And then we're dealing with the AFC West with the Chargers, Denver, and Kansas City. And I agree like most. Kansas City deserves to be the favorite. With Patrick Mahomes and that coach and what they've accomplished, they deserve to be the favorite. And as I said before, even John Gruden got here and now Josh McDaniels. The goal of this organization is to take control of Kansas City in the coming years and start dominating the Kansas City Chiefs. More of our Friday conversations as we continue on. Excited for this weekend. Tomorrow, a special Saturday show. Eric and I, Eric Allen and I will host the Raiders pre- and post-game show, and we'll do it live from the Raiders facility. If you're looking for a place to watch the game, go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill at M Resort Spawn Casino. I'm popping in. I'm probably going to have to the pre-game show when I throw it to Jason Horowitz. Going to head on over to the Raiders Tavern and Grill for our cerveza. Maybe a salad, maybe some wings, and watch a little of it there. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. I am. Um, you know, I... <clears throat> I, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I think at this time in my, my life and my career, um, not that I'm super old, but, um, you know, I have been around for, you know, this is my third decade in the NFL and I'm just, you know, I, I think I'm appreciating the things that, um, you know, that you have right in front of you each day. Um, the people that work here are tremendous. Um, I can't say enough about the people in our building and our organization, the people that, that Mark's put here. I mean, you know, it just, we have such great support. Um, and then going to the stadium yesterday, the reception from the moment you, you drive into the parking lot, you know, it's just unique, uh, to me. And so, um, really enjoyed yesterday. I, I can see why so many people, uh, players uh, would would want to play here and, and enjoy this kind of atmosphere and, and the kind of support that we receive um, from our fan base. Um, and so, yeah, it's a it is it's important, I think, at this stage in your life to make sure that you at least stop and are aware of of how cool some of the things are that we get to experience, because if you if you don't do that, you know, when it's all said and done, you'll probably regret the fact that you didn't take a little time to just acknowledge the journey, you know, and if you don't enjoy the journey, it's hard to, it's hard to really appreciate it. Thanks for coming back here on a gorgeous Friday, man. Driving around today, 87 degrees by me when it's usually a hundred, 105, as I remember back in the day here, it should get a little bit warm this weekend, but looking forward to it. Raiders on the road already. They're in South Beach, Miami, or I don't know where they are. Actually, probably near Lauderdale in the stadium. But uh, game time tomorrow, 2 o'clock start on the Raiders pre- and post-game show. Speaking of the Raiders, last night I bumped into some Raiders staff from the stadium. The stadium crew that worked the tours were out at 8 Cigar Lounge over in Resorts World. I had a going-away party for a great friend of mine who's been out here in the hospitality business for a long time, Tim Brand. And he's moving back to Washington, D.C., 
and just a good guy. And I normally don't go out on a weeknight, a school night after my show. But it was so easy to get to Resorts World. And I drove down there, free parking, came out, went to Eight Cigar Lounge and ran into the president, Scott Sabella. He appreciates what we do. We appreciate the partnership that we have with him. Great guy. His vision for sports at Resorts World is amazing. A doghouse, red tail. And everything we'll be doing there during the season for Monday Night Football. So great to have a cigar last night, a big ice water. Sit back and enjoy Eight Cigar Lounge. If you're looking for the best cigar experience you've ever had, I'm telling you, there's nothing better than Eight Cigar Lounge. Fantastic. So the LeBron James deal and the extension was the big story this week in the NBA. One of the premier NBA insiders, kind enough to join us, Eric Pincus who's a Laker insider for decades. Eric, thanks a lot for doing this. And you saw the deal here earlier in the week. What does it say about LeBron ending his career with the Lakers? Well, uh, he's at least here in L.A. I'm in L.A. as well uh, for another two additional seasons, uh, this season and then the next one. And then after that, it's a player option. So he'll have a decision to make when that time comes. It just so happens to coincide when his son, Bronny James, is, is eligible, or at least by the current rules, eligible in 2024 to join the NBA. So that might determine where LeBron ends up. And if you're the Lakers and, and if you want to continue this relationship, let's say they bounce back, uh, get back on track and have another good year or two, uh, maybe they need to find a way to draft Bronny to make sure that they don't lose LeBron, even if he's, you know, he's like 40. He'll be over 40 by then. He's, he's, uh, he's got some years on him, but he's still a special player. That's a big deal for me that you're opening up our conversation with Bronny. So you're a sharp guy, and you know this team as good as anybody. So you really believe that this could be part of his philosophy. I mean, the money's enormous. You can't turn it down there. But for me, I'm looking at the Westbrook deal, that if he doesn't win this year, he's on the hook for another year, and that'll be the year that the Lakers get out of the Westbrook deal, and then they'll have the ability to go out and get a better player, right? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Uh, without Westbrook... Uh, like next year, let's say the Lakers don't add any more salary. They'll only have a neighborhood of, call it $20 million to maybe $30 million. Depends on Taylor Horton Tucker, who has an option. And so uh, the, the max for a player uh, next year ra- probably ranges in the 30, 33 to something around closer to 40-something, you know, big money. And they'll have just under that at about 30. So, yes, they might be able to hold their money uh, and then go spend on a couple of good players, but you're not going to get, like, a star player. They just don't have that kind of money. Uh, so it's really a question of are they better off trading for, trading Russ now, taking on guys who have multiple years. I, I really think the holdup for the Lakers all this time, uh, dating back to uh, really the end of the season, was you know, LeBron could – finish this season out and then leave. And so now they have that clarity that they have him for at least one more year beyond that, if not two. So two to three years total. So now they can make a decision and say, okay, let's, let's go get a, maybe a contract or two that another team doesn't want. Uh, and maybe they'll be, you know, Russ only has one year left. Maybe it's, it's, there's a financial deal, a money deal that can benefit the Lakers on the court and benefit some other team in a, in a different kind of way. Eric Pinkus is our guest. Adrian Wojnarowski made a really interesting point. Uh, that we played is the fact that there's no real option for LeBron in free agency, so he signed this deal there. I thought that was pretty remarkable for him to say that, like, there isn't even an option that could be better than leaving the Lakers. Like, in theory, shouldn't there be an option if he didn't sign this extension where he could have left the Lakers and went to a better team than the Lakers with an opportunity to win another ring? Because now he's stuck with the Lakers, and he wants to win another ring, and it's do or die with the Lakers, and I don't see them 
as a championship contender this upcoming season. Well, as they are now, I don't think they're a, a top contender. Uh, you can argue if AD is healthy for a full season, LeBron. And if they do, I, I don't think they fit properly with Russ. And even if they, even if Russ has a bounce back regular season, I don't think he fits in the playoffs, even if, if the regular season works. Uh, and so I do think that there's some flaws, but that doesn't mean the Lakers can't get out of them. The other way there's been talk about Kyrie Irving, some other moves that might change that chemistry. Uh, and I do think they are better in some ways, more subtle ways. They're younger. They're more athletic. They're a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, we'll have to see how it actually looks on the court. Uh, but as far as money next year, I didn't hear what Woj said uh, specifically. But uh, you know, if LeBron wanted to wait, there were there would have been teams with some money. But usually the challenge is how many teams can get the kind of money that we're talking about for LeBron, right. which is you know in the forty-seven million dollar range. Uh, it's one thing to get thirty, forty million dollars. Maybe you could do it, but you typically have to pare down your roster. Pretty pretty much down to the spare parts, uh, you know, and that's not always true, but um, it's often true. And so, yeah, I mean, LeBron, from what I understand, is very dedicated to his family. Uh, he's made as much money, you know, he's made more money than most people will ever make. And so, not every decision he makes is all about finances. He's already got a resume where he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, arguably uh, one of the best players of all time. We could debate where on that list. Uh, mm-hmm. So as far as accomplishments, yes, he'd love to add to those rings. He'd love to be able to get closer to you know, catch Kobe uh, in a Laker uniform, catch Michael. All those kind of you know, goals are, are real. But the opportunity to potentially play with his son, to keep his, his kids and his, and his life uh, centered in Los Angeles, which is where they are right now and where he, he chose to be, I, I think a lot of those factors have weighed in heavily on what his decision was uh, in extending. Eric Pincus is our guest, great numbers guy, great insider in the NBA. So how have you evolved on the Durant deal with your sources, what Joe Sy is saying, standing behind Nash and Marks for now, but knowing Durant is holding firm and wants to get out of there? How do you see this yes. with the money lining up? We're still hearing the Celtics one day, the Celtics are out of it the next day. Is there anybody other than the Celtics in the heat that you think can swoop in and do a deal? Well, it's it's difficult because of what happened earlier in the year when the uh, Timberwolves gave you know, five, six picks, a crazy amount of picks, uh, to the uh, Utah Jazz for Rudy Gobert. How do you get a deal done for if you're the Nets for a KD and walk away from that and feel like, oh, we did better than, than what Utah got for, for Gobert? The, the odds are is you're not going to get that. Uh, I think a Celtics deal, if they're really willing to give up Jalen Brown, is is really interesting. He's a, a really nice young player. Uh, the, the the rumors, and I, I can't speak to veracity at this point. I mean, I think uh, at this point we'll wait and see. But the Pelicans apparently aren't offering Brandon Ingram, and so without Ingram, that's that's not really appealing. I think the Suns could get in on it still if they wanted to. There's been some buzz that maybe Miami could. Uh, I, I think KD, you know, he, it's been pretty clear what he's doing. He's 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 going fire and brimstone to make sure that he gets dealt, and it's really a question of, of what the stomach is in Brooklyn to, to make a deal that they're not in love with. And um, I, I think this is one of those stories that might take some time. It's, you know, are, are they going to test? Will he show up at camp? Or, you know, is he going to play? Uh, I know that I was around when Kobe demanded a request and uh, trade demand, and, and the Lakers tried, but they couldn't find a deal. And they tried, but they didn't really want to trade him, so they looked around. But you know, he was younger at that point. Uh, KD's a little bit older. He's still an incredible player, but you're coming off an Achilles injury some years ago. 
uh, it, he's not for everyone. So I'm curious to see how this, it, it's a great question. And I don't know if there's an answer. I, I, if, if there was an answer, I think the Nets would, would have executed something because they seem in a difficult spot right now. Eric, finally, where are we with this league now? Last couple of years, fans are super upset with load management. We dealt with a two-year pandemic. That was tough on fans. Now we have this play-in tournament. I'm not a fan of it. Maybe you are. I mean, there's been a lot that NBA fans had to deal with over the last couple of years. Salaries go up for the super elite players. And then you got a situation where Kyrie and Durant and Harden quit on the team to get to Philadelphia. Simmons, we don't know the answer to. Do you think the league is in a great place with the media partners, the quality of play, the contracts? Give me an overall big picture of the NBA this offseason. Um, I mean, there's there's obviously flaws, um, but like Wilt Chamberlain demanded out, and so did uh, Kareem, and you know, you go through the history of of the league and it's just that's the nature of the business uh the best players there are very very few elite 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 players who control the league and uh i don't know if the league has ever found a way to to solve that i don't know if they ever they ever will i mean a lebron is a lebron and a kd's kd and there's only a few of those guys uh i think by and large um the product on the floor has been a lot of fun I, there's more and more athletes uh coming in if you don't love the three ball and you miss like the the low post game of a Shaq or a Tim Duncan or a, even an Akeem Olajuwon, I mean, it, it, it exists. I mean, if you watch what Jokic is doing, it's, he's pretty incredible. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, I get it. It's not for everyone, uh, you know, all the threes and whatnot. Uh, I, I think the money's great. I'm happy for the players to, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing in, the league is bringing in a tremendous amount of money. It's at an all-time high. And the new TV deal, there's some buzz that it's going to go even higher. And so – uh, the players, I, I'm not paying, you know, as, 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 as a, I don't get tickets anymore. I'm fortunate you know, to have a media credential, but yep. when I paid for tickets, you know, I wasn't paying to see, you know, like a Steve Ballmer or a Jeannie Bus play basketball, Mark Cuban. I would love to see an exhibition maybe, but you know, I, I'm one time, but it's the money going to these players who are the best athletes in the world. I'm happy. I, I'd rather go to them than, you know, just to the, the, the people who are making the teams happen. I, they deserve money too, but I think uh, the split is roughly 50-50, and I think that's pretty fair. Excellent, Eric. I always get smarter when I talk to you. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of the summer. All right, anytime. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate Eric Pincus coming on, and now LeBron's got a big decision to make. Stay and play for a year with Russell Westbrook. Try to find a way at the trade deadline to get rid of Russell Westbrook on an expiring contract, or... Just wait till next year when that Westbrook contract is gone and go recruit another star because LeBron and Anthony Davis need another star if they're going to win a championship. All right, Raider Nation Radio, big week for us. A reminder again, 4 to 6 p.m. from Virgin Hotels, the lobby, my podcast for the hotel if you want a beverage, a cocktail. We're really giving away some good prizes. Uh, Stays at the hotel, a dinner for two at Casa Calavera. It's just a cool place to check out, and I think if you want to see Virgin at its best. Come see it today because there's a lot going on. The restaurants are fantastic. Check it out for happy hour and find me in the lobby from 4 to 6 p.m. Have a great weekend, everybody. We're right back at it tomorrow. Raiders pre and post game show, Compass Media Networks and Raider Nation Radio starting at 2. I know that Q has a show. Q's on before, as always. He does a great job on the pre-pre. And thanks for listening all week long on the flagship of the Silver and Black. <laughs>